Do you care about supporting small business? I do. Do you care about supporting women in business? Man, I really do. Do you care about excellent customer service? I think it's a dying art and I really, really support it. That's why I support Paco Collars. They hit all of these bases and then some. My dogs wear gorgeous handcrafted leather collars from them and I get to support a company that I really believe in. So if you believe in the same stuff I do, get over to PacoCollars.com, order the best dog collar you've ever had with a lifetime guarantee, and don't forget to enter the promo code COGDOG for free shipping. Hey there, dog people of the internet. It's me, Sarah Strumming of the Cognitive Canine, and this is Cog Dog Radio, a podcast about all things dog sports and dog training. Join me as I explore my cases and considerations regarding the behavior of the dogs we live and play with. I hope you enjoy it. Hey friends, we have a special guest here today to talk about one of my favorite things. Um, Her name is Brittany. She is a dog trainer and a zookeeper. Um, We're going to talk about enrichment, which is one of the four steps to behavioral wellness and something that matters a lot to me. Um, And as a dog trainer zookeeper, Brittany knows a lot about this because enrichment is... I think more widely embraced by the zoological kind of zookeeping world um, than the dog training world, although I think that is shifting and we will discuss it. So Brittany, hello, welcome to the podcast. Hi Sarah, thanks for having me. I'm really excited to chat with you guys about enrichment. It's so important. So why is it so important? Why does it matter so much to captive animals to have enrichment? And I consider dogs captive animals as well. Right, so with our dogs, I think they get enriched all the time, even without us really thinking about it. We take them places, we do things with them. Uh, with zoos, you kind of, you're set there, right? So um, it's really important for us to enrich those animals. A lot of the natural behaviors that they would be displaying, they, they don't. Um, so, like, they don't hunt for their food or necessarily patrol their territory from other animals or get in fights. Um, so we like to try to make their lives as interesting as possible through enrichment. Um, and that can be, again, like I said, dogs or, or zoo animals alike. Um, enrichment, the best way that I explain it to our guests is it's just anything we can do to make their lives more interesting. Um, this is the easiest way I, I put that to our general zoo guests. And I really like that you mentioned something about kind of what their natural behaviors are. So taking into account what this animal would be doing if it were in its natural habitat, and then how can we provide it with more of those activities? So do you think about dogs too, when you think about that stuff? Absolutely. So when we go and we start trying to create new enrichment um, for our animals at the zoo, we have a framework and kind of the first step is setting a goal for your enrichment. And when you set a goal for your enrichment, you really have to look at the natural history of the animal, so what it is they would be doing in the wild, um, but then also the individual, um, because obviously individuals matter. So when you think about dogs, it's kind of the same thing, right? So I would provide, you know, or at least I would plan to provide different enrichment for a border collie than I might provide for a pug. 
Um, and it's not to say that as an individual, they both wouldn't enjoy the same things, um, but there's probably certain things that a border collie might like more than a pug. Um, and that's just a general guideline for starting to plan and setting your goals for your enrichment. Yeah, I really like that. I think that's really important. And I almost think it's a way around kind of one of the common complaints or woes or whatever that I hear about enrichment. So when I encourage people to basically stop feeding out of the bowl and provide a lot of environmental enrichment for their dogs, they kind of complain about lack of creativity. They get into a rut, you know, I mean, I definitely do that. I pretty much feed, do one meal out of a Kong and one meal out of a slow bowl every day. And then if they get additional food enrichment, that's kind of extra. Um, But my dogs get a lot of other kinds of enrichment. So they complain about creativity and kind of getting in a rut. But um, I think what's important is think about what the animal would naturally be doing and how can you provide them um, with kind of those activities. So do you guys suffer from that at the zoo? Do you find um, that you guys get stuck in a rut and need to think more creatively? Yeah, absolutely. So um, I love anytime we we hire a new keeper on board in the team, you get all kinds of brand new ideas um, from places that they've worked and their brain just may work a little bit differently than other people's on the team. So it's always exciting to get some new blood in there. Um, And then we try to share amongst the zoos. So there's different zookeeping organizations and groups. Uh, We always try to share those things and pull some inspiration there and to help us out and keep us um, moving and trying new things. And then uh, we actually pull from bug stuff, too. I don't know if you've seen the recent video of the toilet paper tubes on a string with the fleece stuck in the bottom. Have you seen that? Yes. <laughs> really interesting, yes. Yeah, it's so brilliant. So we're trying to create a similar thing for other zoo animals using, like, things they can have with bamboo and different substrates and, and different kinds of things. So we take inspiration from everywhere um, to try to help us out so that we don't get stuck in a rut because novelty can be really important. Um, that being said, too, we try to base our enrichment off of the individual, so our novelty can be really important. Um, certain different research has recently found that um, predictability in animals that are a little underconfident can be really nice as well. So while it's um, you know it's great to keep it interesting for some animals, they kind of prefer the to know what's going to happen for them that day. And I think I definitely know dogs like that as well. You're kind of more anxious individuals. You know, like Felix, for instance, really counts on his morning Kong. <laughs> and if he doesn't have his morning Kong, he has a sad. Um, and versus, I think, um, some of the other dogs that I have would prefer that I kind of switch it up for them. So I think that's really interesting to um, always be thinking about the individual. Um, so one thing that we talked about um when we were talking about your work at the zoo is that you guys have enrichment calendars for all the different animals. And I was just in love with that idea, (laughs) Um, which probably says something about me as a person, but can you talk about what the enrichment calendars are? Yeah. So enrichment calendars can be really helpful for a number of ways. For us at a zoo, we are, um, through our accreditation process, we're required to provide enrichment and to document that. Um, so it's really helpful for us as an easy way to kind of make sure that everything is being documented. Um, it really improves variety so that you're sure that you're doing something different. And being able to sit down and plan out your enrichment ahead of time can really make sure that you have everything on hand that you plan to have. So if tomorrow you want to do um, 
I don't know, peanut butter stuffed Kongs, uh, you kind of probably need to prep that today or make sure you have peanut butter. So if you have it all planned out, it's a little easier to have that forethought to make sure that everything is taken care of. Um, in a zoological setting, to having multiple people there from day to day, um, it can help with communication to make sure that the animals are being provided with different things. So I really like that, and I I feel like I I don't do that on like a on an official level, but I certainly prep out. Like if I have Kong prep day, I also write in when I need to go and buy um, the Kong stuff, and sometimes that's the same day, and sometimes it's not. So I think that's I think that's also really important, and we do get caught kind of without our Kong stuff <laughs> sometimes, and then our dogs go a couple more days without their Kongs. Um, so I like that idea of, you know, planning for it. So one day you make sure you have peanut butter and the next day you prep your Kongs, etc. I like that. I think that's a great idea. Um, this is another thing that I know is important to both of us, which is that enrichment can be, environmental enrichment can be kind of this green choice because I use a lot of trash <laughs> when I'm doing, <laughs> when I'm providing my enrichment. And I think you guys, you guys get a lot of stuff donated that would otherwise, otherwise be sitting in a landfill um, to the zoo. So can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, absolutely. So, so when we sit down to make these calendars first, we, we don't just look at items too. We, we categorize enrichment in many different ways. And so you can kind of maximize what you're offering. So our categories pertain to like activities, so things that you can go and do, um, cognitive enrichment, physical habitat, so you could rearrange everything, um, social enrichment, food items, objects, sensory, or a combination of all or some of those. So um, the first thing we do is that we'll, we'll look at all of those different um, categories and make sure that we're alternating between those so that every day is not a food day or um, every day is not a sensory day. Um, and so we can we can utilize those all properly. So as far as like um, our green stuff goes, we try to recycle everything. Um, as far as everything on that list goes, we have different like perfumes that people will donate. Um, we'll have different objects that people will donate. Whenever I'm teaching you know, my students, my dog students about enrichment, like both for them on our enrichment week, is just to feed outside the bowl once. And I show them all this cool stuff that they can buy, but then I also bring in an egg crate or a cereal box or a mm-hmm. paper towel tube. Um, and as much as, you know, it's nice to have all the big fancy shiny new things, I really just care that they enrich their dogs. That's the only thing I care about. And as far as you guys, you know, there is a limited budget for these things. Often zoos are nonprofits and they're working on a limited budget. So being able to use recycled things um, can really help to provide different enrichment and more enrichment for these animals. Um, so there are different companies that will provide things if it's slightly damaged, um, or you can, you can make things up uh, like we do with the dogs. So there's all kinds of different ways that you can recycle enrichment um, so that you can provide a little bit more than you would be able to otherwise definitely I know that um I just keep all of these you know brown paper bags and cardboard boxes and egg cartons and things like that for this purpose and if one of my dogs is being obnoxious (laughs) um I don't just give them a bully stick I wrap the bully stick in paper and then I put it in a box and then I give it to them and then I'm providing all of this shredding and ripping and it's just kind of it's extra it's on top of eating the bully stick um and i love being able to give people cheap options so things that they already have around the house because 
sometimes canine enrichment feels a little bit, um, feels a little elitist, a little privileged because that stuff is expensive. Um, you know, when I say that I have 40, 40 some Kongs, people see dollar signs and that's definitely true. That stuff is expensive and it was acquired over time, but it doesn't have to be a bunch of expensive stuff. And I think that, um, I think that that's a really good thing to remind people that putting your kibble in a cardboard box or in an egg carton is just as good, if not better than putting it in a slow bowl, honestly, (laughs) and varying it, I think is really important too. So I like that. I think that's good. Yeah, absolutely. When you look at, you know, buying a a new ball for a polar bear, that's $1,000. Wow. Right? Um, But if you can get the 50-gallon drum left over from the, you know, Pepsi plant down the road, that's free. (laughs) So, yeah, we definitely understand being able to reuse and recycle. Um, And then I get this question all the time, and I think you you kind of hit on it a minute ago because you have these different enrichment um, categories, but people ask, you know, is all enrichment food-based? Is this all about, for dogs, is it all about feeding, you know, not in a bowl, or are there other kinds of enrichment? So can you hit on that as far as zoos as well as dogs? Yeah, absolutely. So um, I kind of went over the different categories, um, but we'll just recap. So there are all kinds of fun things you can do. Um, You can do different activities with your dog, taking them to new places can be really enriching. Um, As far as activities for zoo animals, there are some places that have um, kind of trained their animals for like more coursing or to play fetch and things like that. Um, It can be enriching, but also get some nice exercise in. Um, Different cognitive enrichment, using their brains for things. Obviously those can be like a combination activity of like a food puzzle kind of thing. Um, But cognitive games can be really nice um, social things. So you can give your dogs, uh, if if social with other dogs, uh, meeting other dogs, um, or even being see other species, right? So being able to see horses or chickens or things, that can be a social experiment uh, experience for them. Um, different objects don't necessarily have to be food-based. Um, all kinds of fun stuff. Um, sensory, I think, is a place where we don't really touch on a lot with dogs. Yeah. That can be really nice. So different um, smells. Um, because they, they live their whole life in sense, you know, it's something that I don't really think we pay enough attention to. Uh, different smells, different um, sights, things to see, um, different tactile things can be interesting. Um, yeah, different things to see. I know my dog likes to watch the television. Um, I don't know if anybody else does, but yeah, that can be some, some fun enrichment for the day. Yeah, um, the sensory piece, I think we forget that dogs live in a primarily kind of olfactory existence. They're, that's their primary sense. And then we, you know, with food enrichment that's hidden, they do kind of need to use their nose, but that's usually where it stops. Um, but I'm reminded of one of my things that I always had people try when they had kind of chronic backyard barking um, is if the dog needed to have access to the backyard all day, which was usually why this was a problem, um, you would go, you can actually go buy different animal urine scents from like hunting supply stores. Yeah. And you can put it around in your yard and like, you're not going to smell it, but you put it around in the yard. And now suddenly the dog is having this like huge olfactory experience in the backyard and they not, they're not barking because they are sniffing, um, all of this new interesting stuff um, that's out and around. And I think just making the backyard this kind of 
just enrichment experience, kind of like the zoo habitats versus, you know, yeah, you might have a problem in the zoo with predators, um, you know, rushing or showing aggression towards visitors if their habitat weren't interesting in and of itself. Um, I think dogs are kind of thrown in a sterile backyard that is manicured and kind of made for people. And so they entertain themselves the only way they know how, which is often barking. Yeah, that's really, I would not have thought to use uh, different urine that way. That's really interesting. I like that. Well, and you guys had mentioned perfume when I was talking to you about um, different sensory enrichment that you guys use. And I had never thought about perfume <laughs> as, as being interesting at all <laughs> to an animal. Yeah, and you'll You'll find different animals like certain ones. We've got um, one particular animal who loves um, Calvin Klein, others that love Axe. I mean, it's hard to say who likes it, so we try different things off. Okay, that's so interesting and fun. Uh, <laughs> really fun. So the answer is no, all enrichment is not food-based. The dogs have all kinds of other needs that can be met this way. Um, so here's something that I think is really important. What is a tiger or a lion or, or, you know, fill in the blank, other kind of highly intelligent, highly active species that is in a zoo have to do with a dog that's maybe a little bit barky, lungy, maybe a little aggressive, that can't go out very much, can't leave its house very much? What, you know, what similarities can we draw there and how can we kind of better take care of both of them, be it the tiger or the reactive dog? So, I mean, it, it's... It's hard to say specifically for those animals, as far as I'm concerned. Um, I think of enrichment so much being a part of, of every animal's yeah. life. Um, but, you know, when you talk about an animal who doesn't get to go out and experience the world, you know the tiger can't go for a walk <laughs> around the block. Um, and, you know, maybe this dog can't either. It's so, so important just to give them some kind of, of input. Um, like I talked about in the beginning, they're just something to make their lives more interesting. Um, just because they can't go out and about shouldn't mean that their life is bland and unexciting. Um, it's really, to me, one of the favorite parts of my job um, is getting to watch them experience something new and engage in something in a way um, that they get excited about. Uh, I like to know what this animal's favorite enrichment is um, and how I can make their lives better. Um, if it's Christmas Day, I want to know what their Christmas Day looks like, right? What is the best thing I can give them yeah. um, that's going to rock their world? So regardless of it, the, the reactive dog who can't go outside or the tiger in a zoo, the enrichment just can't, it can't be undersold. Um, and not even just for those two specific examples, but for, for any dog, really, um, you so much have changed how I talk to my clients, my dog training clients, if ever we're seeing behavioral problems. This is the first thing I ask. Um, are we getting enough mental exercise here? Because um, oftentimes it's not being fulfilled. They're not being fulfilled in that way. Um, and when we change that, when we look at that and come back, um, we can kind of reduce some of those behaviors with just adding some enrichment and some variation to their lives. That's what I've found too. And I, it seems too simple, right? Like it seems way too simple of an idea to actually work. People are always kind of very skeptical <laughs> when I talk about the fact that just some environmental enrichment will actually reduce a lot of these behavior problems that you're seeing. Um, people are really skeptical. They think, no, there's got to be some big, you know, some big training process. And sometimes there 
does need to be a big training process, but that process can only be helped if the dog's kind of basic needs are getting met. I think of dogs so often as just um, these really, they're undercared for in this specific arena a lot of the time. Um, Because we might, you know, we might leave them at home for nine hours a day while we go to work and then come home and then we kind of want to veg or be our own person and sit on the couch or whatever. And um, it's easy to just kind of try to fill those, fill those nine hours for your dog a little bit better. Understand that that's a huge gap in their day. Um, And you can do it with just some simple, simple enrichment ideas like the stuff that we've talked about here. And it's true. It does improve all of those, all of those behavior issues that we get called in about. Um, do you guys see that in the zoo as well when you're seeing maybe problematic behaviors? Is that is that a place that gets examined first or not? Absolutely. So this really comes back to like step one when we look at making enrichment. This is our goal setting here. So I don't think it would be un um, I don't think it would be a bad idea for dog owners to do the same thing. Is that if we're giving enrichment because we have X Y Z problem, set that goal. Say this enrichment is going to help me because it's going to decrease X, right? Yeah. Um, so when we're looking at a zoo animal, if we're if we want to, let's say we want to encourage foraging behaviors and we want to encourage utilizing the whole space, um, we may want to decrease spending time in X spot, maybe perhaps where they're not visible to the public. Mm-hmm. And so when we set this goal for the enrichment. We need to go and we need to watch and see, are we, you know, are we meeting our goal here? Because if we're not, we can readjust and then go back and try again. So I don't think it would be a bad idea at all for dog owners when we're talking about enrichment, if they have specific goals in mind, to set those and document their enrichment and to reevaluate. I think it's a great idea. I think um, I think it should definitely be part of any dog trainers kind of initial protocol with the client, but also the client, the dog owner, um, can take data, can pay attention to what they're doing, can pay attention to if things are decreasing. And sometimes those behavior changes are so subtle that the only way that you're going to see them at first is if you are keeping track. Um, cause you know, if we're looking at changes over a long time, um, we definitely, won't see the initial kind of subtle changes if we aren't actually keeping track. So I think that's really important to mention. Yeah, and that's where the calendars can come into play. You can totally make them ahead of time, sure, um, or you can fill them out as you go. I did this today or that today, and you can take notes on how effective you think it was, um, and then you can track your other behaviors that way too to make sure you're meeting your goals. Yeah, I think it's all, I mean, I'm always all about trying to help people keep track of what they're doing a little bit better because even though it's not the most fun thing if it just becomes habit and routine it improves everything it elevates your training it elevates your um enrichment process it it elevates everything if you actually are keeping track of what you're doing so that you can also look backward and see you know okay the behavior is getting better what's everything that i did to get it better as opposed to just kind of shrugging and saying, I don't know, it got better over time or if it's getting worse and maybe you look at your calendar and you go, oh, I've really lapsed in enrichment here. Maybe that's what I need to do. I mean, I definitely know a couple of my dogs that if they aren't getting enough, 
I start to see some problematic stuff happening. Um, and so we have to just kind of up the enrichment for them. Yeah, absolutely. All right, Brittany, this has been an awesome talk and I just really appreciate you talking to me about all of the cool, fun animals that you get to take care of, including your dog <laughs> and, um, <laughs> and how we can better take care of them. So thanks so much for coming on. Yeah, of course. Thanks for having me, Sarah. Thanks for listening to CogDog Radio. If you have questions or suggestions, shoot them over to CogDogRadio at gmail.com. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes, SoundCloud, or wherever you get your podcasts. Don't forget to like the CogDog Radio Facebook page. And until next time, happy training.